Okay. I think we're recording now, too, on my end. I hope so. Um, anyway, so I want to kind of start where you left off, this whole concept of how you and I both explored a lot um, for a very large part of our careers. Um, and, you know, things were simple when you don't know a lot, and then they get really complex when you know more stuff, and then you get to a point where things become simple again, hopefully. And one of the things I hadn't really appreciated until the last couple of years especially with this habit formation piece is how much stress reduction there is when you actually have these habits and can, can gravitate towards simpler processes again. So like I, when I was younger, I didn't really think about this. I was, I was, I was able to kind of keep all these things in my head at the same time while I was guiding kind of as a lot more amorphous and kind of could flow and, I think realistically, my ability to process that data and manage it all was not really as good as I thought. You know, it's just you're young and you think you can do that. And now I find so much comfort in like just reeling it in and being able to like, just this is my habit here on this transition. This is what I do. Um, and having this kind of like, I guess, relatively precise habit let's just say a transition, for example, allows me just to free up my mind to focus on some other details, some more subtle details, so the polish, like you mentioned. So maybe more of the client experience, because I don't have to like constantly be like, all right, well, if I do this and I do this, it's like, no, I'm just going to do this thing. Like I actually, my transitions become more and more simple. Like I don't do lots of varied transitions anymore. I tend to use one or two simple transitions that work universally and couple that with getting really good at them so they're just as fast as I want them to be versus when I was younger, I would do, do ones that were maybe more amorphous or on the fly that I thought kind of would flow well. But now I'm like, I don't even want to do with that. And the habit allows me to not have to worry about figuring out if the transition is going to work or not. It's like, it just works every time. And now I don't have to put that energy towards that. So I think that's another place where developing good habits throughout, especially through critical transition points you know i think when we're doing something and it's and it's relatively stable like you know whether it's like you're you're in the climbing mode or you're in skiing mode like you don't have to worry about too much stuff there but when we actually have positions where we're going to transition to something else whether that's in a technical system making a corner on a on a skin track or something that's where these habits can really really benefit us a lot because now we're just doing things almost automatically to be as efficient as possible and as safe as possible. So we can actually free up our bandwidth to do other bigger conceptual things that we're trying to do with the day guiding, um, which I think is really important. I think a huge part of that, and I, and I totally agree. I think a huge part of that is that every system or technique has some sort of downfall, like it has an Achilles heel. And if if you're trying something new, you have to, and especially in a guiding context, of course, not only do it correctly, but also understand um, beforehand what the Achilles heel of this sequence or transition is. And so you have to think it through enough to, to realize, and oftentimes I think people actually don't, <laughs> but run into the Achilles heel or downfall too late and then have to problem solve for that, for that Achilles heel, right? So... Um, if you know a system or transition or sequence well enough to know it inside and out and, and address all the concerns beforehand, boy, you're, you're winning. Right. And 
I, I think you and I are kind of, again, like for the average recreational climber um, or a person starting out climbing, at least like we're on the opposite end of the equation, right? Like for a lot of folks, they actually probably should develop like, like two or three ways of doing something, not just the one way they've always done something. Um, the one habit every single time. Um, and then for guides, I think it's probably a bit of a mixture of like, yeah, learning two or three ways to do something, but also at the same time, keeping in perspective, like these, these foundational kind of habits as well. So um, it's just interesting because you want to have both, right? You want to have all the, all the experience and expertise and diversity of application of skills, but also at the same time, not need to ever use them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have an incredibly challenging job in terms of just that breadth of skills and depth of skills. And, you know, I know that certainly exploring as much as I have has allowed me to be more dynamic in my guiding, especially now. I just have more to offer um, and I can be more selective when I pick and choose something that's going to be more novel um, and just stick to more tried and true methods, um, which are really good. But one thing I think that's also interesting about habits and, and it's kind of it's what's coming to my mind right now is like the habits that we might ha- develop around certain transition points, you know, all, ultimately to kind of have a uh, safety piece is like when a habit becomes too ingrained and too automatic, what can happen is we can start missing things because all of a sudden our brain wants to see what we want to see. So did we really check something like, oh, we did the habit, we checked, but did we really see what we wanted to see? Is that not really correct? Is the buckle really done? Is the carabiner really locked? And I think that's a place where when the habits are too ingrained, we got to be a little bit more careful too. So like, I know that I specifically do a lot with like verbalizing and even pointing at things like when I'm doing like a partner check. So I'm like, all right. So I'm actually externally processing this piece, even though I've internally processed it, but to just make sure I've done due diligence and doing the habit well, because we can have a good habit in place, but if we don't do the habit well, then it's kind of irrelevant. Um, And I think that's, you know, once again, as I get older, like it's just a more conservative approach of dealing with this is going through these things and um, verbally. And, And also I think in terms of just clients, clients understand that you're actually checking the system as well. So it's not like, they think he's not looking at anything or they're not looking at anything rather. Um, It's like they actually see that you're doing due diligence. And I think that's a really important piece of this habit thing is understand when, when they become a little too automatic, we need to be a little more conscious and have a little bit more intent and intention with them to keep them really fresh and crisp. Cause we ultimately want them to do what we want them to do. um, Which I think is important. That's, it's a great point. Like I, I tend to, the way my brain works and my personality, like I, I tend to want to figure out the best way to do something like the, you know, and, and the extreme of that is like black and white, right, wrong. Yes, no. Right. But like, I, I try to figure out like the best way to do something. And that's a really great place to start as your habit. Like we said, conservative, um, efficient. And to your point, be flexible enough when you need to be to easily step out of that habit and make a different choice. Um, so it's, it's, it's easy to go too far either direction and be like, kind of like this right brain, like artistic person who's like, 
it's always different and always fun and creative, like on one hand. And on the other hand, like too left brain, pragmatic, like dogmatic, this is the way I do this every time. And the best of the habits is to blend those two. Like you have a baseline operating way of doing something and then you can be creative um, when you want to or need to. Um, so, I mean, the, the knots and the end of the, the rappel rope is such a great example. I keep coming back to it, but it's like, you know, do I always every single time forever tie knots in the end of my rappel rope? Um, no, but my default setting is to do that now, which just taking me a long time to do. <laughs> um, but I make a conscious choice to be more aggressive uh, and not tying the knots in the rope certain times. Like, i.e. one pitch off the ground and maybe I see for sure both ends of the rope are on the ground, right? Um, so that's just one thing that I, I often think about is trying to blend trying to blend those two things and not be too stuck in your way of whichever way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the concept of how structure creates freedom, right? So it's like if we don't have the structure of these habits, which at first kind of seems like it boxes you in, right? But then it ultimately creates freedom. You know, I think about like painters or musicians, like when they know the actual skills of painting and all the different styles and they know how music is actually put together, then you have the freedom to create whatever you want. And you're not just kind of like applying something randomly, for example. You know, sometimes, you know, random, like sometimes people can apply things randomly and it's totally intuitive to them. And it is something beautiful and it is something profound. But I know for me, like having the structure of good habits gives me the freedom to do whatever I want. So that could be the habit of getting really fit. And now I can just go climb or ski the way I want to. Yay. Awesome. Or that could be the structure of a technical transition. And now I can, you know, have the freedom to do whatever else I want. Um, which is kind of so, interesting. So in that, in that line, I think, I, I think you're spot on. In that line, I'm really curious. So I often think about like these habits not being maybe necessary all the time for like day-to-day when it's easy, but oftentimes developing that habit well enough that when things do get hard um, or out of the norm, like it's dark, it's windy, it's stormy, someone's hurt. Like I think about the habits being really coming into their own in those scenarios when things get really hard or extreme. Um, so I'm curious if you have habits that you think um, really set you up well or serve you well in a climbing or guiding scenario um, in that context that, that may be like small mundane habits that really set you up well for success when things do uh, hopefully not ever again <laughs> go sideways. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think the concept of slowing down mm. And, and verbalizing, like, we're going to slow down here. We need, to, we need to kind of take our time through here is, is, a, is a really big one. And verbalizing kind of like if we're doing something technical, the links in the chain to make sure that we are actually getting all the links dialed in because we're under this stressor. I know, to be honest, a real big one for me is stick with the plan. Mm. Like, like this, this was my descent plan to do this. I'm doing that because I've actually gotten burnt pretty hard being like, oh, I'm a mountain guide. I've got all these skills. Let's go down this way. I can figure that out. And like, ultimately we got there, but I'm like, that wasn't the way to go, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so like just being the habit of like when this is a great example, like in ski touring, you do all your, your pre-trip 
planning, which partly is where I will go and where I won't go. And the habit is to be true to that in the field. And like, all right, I got to hear this isn't good. I'm going to descend this way back my track because that's a known quantity versus, oh, this looks kind of good here. But I kind of said I wasn't going to go there today. That's, that, yeah. that itself has been really powerful. Like you made these decisions ahead of time. So you're trying to remove your emotional connection with them in the field. And now the habit is just to do them. Yeah, totally. Like, even though you might think you could get away with it. It's like, no, that's not how this works. And I've like, like, like your plan literally was sussed out to help you avoid that scenario in the field. Correct. Um, <laughs> correct. So I'm way more diligent with that habit now. Like this is how I'm going to descend, yep. you know? I think, I think I totally agree. I think, I think one aspect that we often undervalue uh, creating accidents is exactly that. Like a lot of accidents happen from the plan changing and not being set up for the change in plan. I think yeah. it's like, I think it's super undervalued and, and, you know, technical rock climbing is an easy example because it's so um, concrete. I think your skiing example is really good too, but like, you know, you're at a single pitch crag, right. And your partner's going to lead the pitch and you know that the anchors, you know, this climb, right. You know, the pitch is a 80 foot pitch, 60 meter rope easily makes it when they lower from the chains. And then, so you're like, ah, oh, we don't need a knot in the rope today. They get to the 80 foot chains, right? And something changes. Either a party's wrapping down and they can't stop there, or it's, it's clogged up, or maybe it's a spot that the guidebook says is 80 feet, but the anchor is kind of crap. So you have to like traverse out to another anchor and then lower off like some kind of change in plan. And then all of a sudden that lack of knot in the rope, which you knew worked for your plan, um, now it doesn't work because of a simple change in plan. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great one. Nice. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% right on. People change their plans and the strategy that they employ for that, their first plan doesn't work for the second one. Where you can't I, think it through in the field as well, right? No. Like you're, you're prepping at home so that you have the bandwidth and time to like plan things really well. Yeah. So it's like you're managing uncertainty, right? And having these good conservative habits helps you manage the uncertainty, right? Like you said, you can always step up and you have a more aggressive choice, but you got to start with the conservative choice that you know will work, right? It's like they may not get to the ground, but at least they're not going to hit the ground if there's a knot in the rope, right? Yes, um, exactly. That's more important. It's another problem to solve but it's a better problem to solve. Yeah. So. I, have, I have a good friend in the Tetons probably 10 years ago that was guiding a client and on the middle Teton and they had a plan to go up the normal route on the, on the south side and they got pretty close and, you know, looked up this like beautiful snow couloir to a rock ridge and they're like, just kind of on a whim. They're like, oh, we're, we're making pretty good time. Like the normal route's kind of boring. Let's go up here. And <laughs> that backfired so hard that they got like benighted and were coming down the peak in the dark. And it was like, it's actually like pretty dangerous. Um, and was a pretty rugged experience for uh, the client and the guide for sure. <laughs> Just a simple, like to your point, like, Oh, like we had a plan, but this looks awesome. This looks pretty good. I can do that. <laughs> I'm good <Yeah>. enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you're good enough, you don't make that choice. <laughs> totally. I mean, we've all done it. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying I haven't done it, but now I'm like, I'm not doing that. Totally. I think about that all the time. Is, is, there, um, is there one habit that you use? Um, I keep going back to climbing because it's like climbing season right now, but like rock climbing um, that you would, we've talked about obviously closing the rope system, but is there one habit beside that that you would recommend or uh, highly recommend to folks, e- either guiding or climbing recreationally that you think is kind of like where it's at? Well, I mean, it's, that's, this one kind of encompasses a lot of things and it's finished the task. Nice. Right? So it's like, don't move forward to the next task until the one that you're doing is finished. So I think that encompasses a lot of things that inclu- encompasses a really thorough partner check all the way through every time, right? Checking the buckles, checking the knots, checking we're in the hard point, you know, checking the ends closed, checking the blaze setup, and like locking carabiners, like lock the carabiner, right? Um, I think just that piece of like finish where you are now, and then you can move forward to the next piece is one of the bigger things that you can do um, and not miss stuff. So that's where I see people kind of miss. They want to jump ahead for whatever reason, and all of a sudden now they've opened themselves up to risk for no reason. Yeah, um, totally. And it's re- oftentimes, well, I'll say oftentimes it's just a sequence change. Like people don't actually always have to add or subtract things from what they're doing. They just have to change the order in which they're doing and that habit alone. And it all of a sudden goes from like you just, like you just exposed yourself to this cliff edge and then you just reduced it by 50%, literally just by changing the sequence of events, not by yeah. anything else. And that's part um, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Nice. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, that's really good. I think of like a one, two, one sequencing a lot of times, like, cool, you're secured by this thing. Let's add a new thing. And then the old thing comes off. Right. Like that's the sequencing part for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like I think people like oftentimes like just don't have quite a fully baked uh, vision of like a transition or a sequence and they kind of get into it and like, Oh, Oh, but this, Oh, but that. And it's kind of like this like diffused awareness um, as opposed to to your point of like finishing, like do one thing, do it to completion, then do the next thing. Yeah. And I think you're like, you're pausing and like slowing down is probably the single biggest thing that someone can do to, to shortcut that. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a very interesting game. But I mean, I do think as much as we want to shortcut people's progression into this, there's still just time in the saddle and experimentation that people have to go through to develop the awareness and the knowledge of these different skills, but also like habits that kind of work for them. Um, I mean, you could, like, we all have kind of unique, slightly different ways of accomplishing the same goals, which are still all acceptable. So, you still kind of need that time in the saddle, which is important, but having the awareness of the fact that what habits can do for you, um, especially as you get into your career is really important that you can implement now, even though you're just starting on this journey, which is super powerful that like you said, we didn't necessarily have. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The other one for me that keeps coming back this big concept from both of rock climbing, but also like all the way through mountain climbing and guiding perspective is 
being at the right place at the right time in the terrain. And that takes a lot of careful preparation um, and work beforehand. But man, if you can, if you can plan both in a macro sense and a micro sense of where to be, when things, and you nail it, things get pretty easy. And if you kind of miss it, things get really hard. And I think about that in like a seasonality kind of setting, um, like right time of year to be somewhere. Uh, also like in the mountain range kind of idea, like week to week based on weather and conditions, snow conditions, ice conditions, and even like time of day, right? If you hit the right time of day with spring corn cycle, it's going to be great. If you miss it, it's going to be pretty death-defying. Um, or rock climbing in the sun. If you hit the shade, it's going to be pretty, pretty nice out there today. If you hit the sun, it's going to be pretty miserable. So the prep time being in the right place at the right time um, before just like showing up and going into the field for me is another big one for sure. Yeah, I like to add to that list for the right reasons. Mm. So it's what are the right reasons. Well, I mean, you know, if you're in the right place, at the right time for the right reasons, then I think now you've really in a position to, to launch. Um, I mean, the, the right reasons is very subjective, right? We all have to make a decision of what those reasons are, but um, what would be an example of a bad reason? Well, I gave an example in an earlier episode where I had two choices of routes to lead. Um, it's kind of like my last day of ice guiding. And one route was a little harder, more, more straight up and down. I kind of wanted to do it because whatever. And I ultimately chose the easier lead because it was a, a, a better route to follow because it's of the nature of how it kind of went up. And it was easier just to drop my client down on top of this harder route. And we were there for a very short period of time. And the reason for me to climb the harder line, even though I could have done it and I could have made the day work, was more based on my ego versus what really would flow really well with that morning. Mm-hmm. And that would actually just be the most efficient use of, my, of our time and actually put me at the least amount of risk. Um, yeah. Especially it was like literally like my last morning of ice guiding for the season. I'm like, well, why don't we just soft pedal out of here? So. I ultimately chose the easier line because I thought that was a better reason. So I was at the right place at the right time, but I actually had to make a choice. Um, you know, and that's also subjective too. Like if, if you can just climb that pitch and it, it's not a big deal, then there's maybe not really as much of a reason not to do it. But for me that, at that morning, it was not the right sh- reason to climb that route. Um, yeah, totally. So I that's a ton of wisdom in there. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't have a, a ton more um, on this conversation, but I, I do think that I do think that we're we're all human, <laughs> and the the biggest thing that I keep coming back to in in all of climbing and guiding is like things don't usually break. Um, it's not usually some kind of like you know quote unquote act of God that's going to like get us if anything does. It's just that we're going to make a mistake. And it's either us making a mistake or um, our partners making a mistake. And I just, I have really tried to think and be very thoughtful about creating systems and habits in place that back me up um, for that inevitable at some point in my career instance where the law of big numbers catches up with me, right? Like I've been really fortunate, honestly, um, knock on wood to not have anything really bad happen in the field. And it's been a lot of hours out there. And I think at some point, um, 
well, I know at some point that the, the odds are stacked against us, right? So the longer I do this, and I think this is a, a point for, for younger folks too, is like the longer you do this, the more careful you have to be. <laughs> and developing these habits early on that safeguard you against that human error piece is absolutely foundational. Um, like I, I've seen people wrap off in the ropes, hit the ground um, multiple times. Um, I know you've recovered, responded to a lot of accidents in the field. Um, I have too. And, you know, like, like trying to figure out what problem you're trying to solve um, and how to safeguard ourselves against these human error pieces, I think is really huge and, and important. Um, yeah. I like to think of dominoes and like kind of back to that 1% thing, like little dominoes, if you have enough of them, push over big dominoes. Right. And there's there always going to be that one scenario where all the things align and that little domino is the keystone that holds the arch together, that one little piece. And if you don't have a good habit in place or you let your guard down or you don't do due diligence that one time, all of a sudden it gets you. So there's really no reason not to do it. Um, and I guess yeah, I'm kind of running out of things, you know, in terms of this conversation. Um, but I do think a piece of this is just culture. And because I see so many people not necessarily doing a habit or, or playing it off, like think the classic thing, oh, like you go to check somebody's knot and they're like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I know how to tie my knot. It's like, I'm investing in you right now, right? Like, I want you to be safe. Like, of course, I think you're a competent person, but we all make mistakes. So I think there's a lot of culture change um, that can be done around developing habits, but also just displaying those habits within a group. And I, I think as a guide, we are fortunate where we have a lot more structure baked into our training that kind of leads us down those paths. But just think about how many times you go skiing with a group of people um, and you're going to do a partner check and you, you learned how to do this very good, clean, precise partner check, but then they do it kind of like poorly right at the trailhead. And it's just like the culture is not supporting the habit. Um, and I think that's also another piece that goes way beyond this conversation. But the more you can be with people who have like-minded cultures, right, that support these good habits, ultimately, the, the better those teams are going to be in the pursuits that they're trying to do in the mountains. Yes. Um, so I think choosing your partners well is always key. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd much rather climb with somebody who is interested in checking my harness out versus just like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm like, all right, I don't want to climb with you. I don't care how good you are. I'm yeah. done with you. Yeah, um, I agree. Because what else do you not check, right? So yeah. anyway, that, that's yeah. kind of some of my parting thoughts. I think it's really great. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge topic for sure. Um, I think to your point, like, I think there's, there are some, I guess I see it in a couple of ways. Like there are a couple, there are a few habits like we talked about earlier that I think maybe people don't realize are as important as I think they are um, in the field. And that's an education piece that, that hopefully I, I can help. And I think this conversation is a really great place to start, like help impart on more people. Uh, and I think the other piece, just to your recent story is that man, once you know the habit is there and it's, it's helpful for you, you've got to have the discipline to develop it and make it second nature. Um, and that just, just takes work, 
everyone wants the shortcut, but that's just going to take work no matter who you are. Um, like you, we can, we can give you this, like we said, like list of 10 or 12 things that are, in my opinion, some of the best habits you can possibly have. But if you don't take that and run with it and actually develop it and make it your own um, and systemize it, you know, like what's the point of even having the information there, right? You have to, you have to make it your own. You have to put the time in no matter what um, of making these habits actually affect the outcome of you in the field. The interesting thing is the habit is the shortcut. Because now you're not processing all these variables. Like, I mean, you do have to do that to some degree, but you're like, all right, here's my habit. So I, I can free up that mind space for something else. Right. Um, which is kind of interesting. Right. You've already, we've already given you the shortcut. That's right. <laughs> take it. <laughs> take it. Take the shortcut. <laughs> this is one shortcut you can take. So, well, Silas, on that note, uh, we've certainly burned couple blocks of time pretty easily again um yeah i i love this topic there's there's more on this that i'd like to dive into at some point but um i think we've talked about it plenty for today yeah for sure um all right well on that note let's uh call it a morning and uh we'll get this out to the the public and see what happens oh by the way you are two of our three talks silas rossi talking about lead climbing with me. And then you also talking about shortening the rope are like number one and two most listened episodes on my whole podcast. So rocketed right to the top. So it's, it's an honor. It's always fun to talk to you. Oh, well, sometimes. All right. On that, we're going to, we're going to shut this down. So thanks. Right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you.